0: Hi everyone, this is Ananya Bhattacharya. Welcome to another episode of Voices of Reality. Today I have with me uh, Mayanka Garwal, who's the co-founder for The Skies Us. And he'll be sharing with us his journey across the globe. And he is a third culture child. So it's going to be a very interesting session today. So thank you for tuning in. Hi Mayank. So first oh. of all, please share with us your amazing journey and how the amalgamation of various cultures was for you so far.
1: Okay, so um, as a child, when I was about three months old, I um, went to Japan and I stayed there for about four, four and a half years. And so as a kid, I I knew the language. I knew the jap. I learned the Japanese language and I knew Hindi. So multilingualism is something which is very common with children who often... Go out to different countries and all, and that's something which I picked up well. And then, off when I was about five years old, I came back to India, and then I shifted to China. This um, small, uh, this city, in the pen, this penil uh, the east of China called Dalian, Dalian, China. Where I was, I was there for about five and a half years, staying there, and I also picked up the language, with Mandarin, but. I subsequently forgot Japanese, which I had learned in the previous four, five years. So, and I was in China for five and a half years. So in 2013, um, in the beginning of 2013, I shifted back to India. So until the age of about nine, nine and a half, I only was ever visited India for summer holidays, uh, which like for two months to visit my grandparents, to meet my relatives or to come for a holiday. Other than that, I never used to come to India. Now I had shifted to India completely in 2013, and I've been living in India for the past seven years.
0: Right, man. So it was clearly a lot of um, amalgamation of a lot of cultures and perhaps a roller coaster ride, which was emotional, no doubt physical, and uh, something that a kid was pushed into, and perhaps, you know made to experience at a very young age. So tell me, how difficult was it to, you know, make friends and develop relationships? And did it get lonely sometimes?
1: Um, So if we're going to talk about, say, my experience abroad, what would happen is, when I was in Japan, I don't have too much of a memory, but um, it's most of the time, it's your parents which form friendships with other people because they know the people, they start learning the language. And through those you make friends with their children and also i although i'm not in touch with uh almost any of my friends like none of my friends from japan even uh, because of um how young we were when we were friends um i i did have a few friends there and i don't remember much but when i came to china um i was actually in the international school there because for a normal school you would have to learn you would have to speak speak, write, and do everything in the national language, Mandarin, which I couldn't do. So there, um, everyone is from an international place or something. So you will have people from across the globe. I had a friend who was Egyptian American. I had a friend who was Korean. I had a friend who was Malaysian. There were different people, but the ish, the thing was that people would keep coming and leaving. So like like I said, I had a Malaysian friend. He came when I was in about say second grade or first grade, and then he left in the beginning of fourth. He left in the beginning of fourth grade because that that is the nature. Whenever you go abroad, you will find other people who are like yourself, who are who are not in the home country, and you make friends with them because um, you make friends with them because most of you will share at least one language, in which in my case was English, and so you get to know each other in this foreign land. But also outside of the classroom, you would also make, you could also make friends because there's a sense, uh, at least when I was in Japan and when uh, when I was in China, there's this uh, sense of community, which is there. And uh, like any teenager, like any uh, child who is in a society with other people, other children, you form groups of friends and you start playing around with them. So I did as well. But when I came to India, it was a very different experience because I was no longer a foreigner in a strange land, or someone someone who had to learn the language. I knew the language. Uh, I I mean, I knew how to speak the language. I did not know how to write the language when I was about ten years old.
0: So there wasn't Hindi. any language
1: barrier. So, so yeah, um, the, yeah, when I came to India, there wasn't any language barrier. It wasn't It wasn't strange to me as much because I used to come for holidays. But it was definitely different because this wasn't a holiday. I was here to study. I was here, I was here to, I was living out for the rest of my life here. So it was a little different because every culture, there are different types of people. Right? So in Japan, they have a very, um, well, how do I say this? A very, um, what do you say? A strict code, like a public code sort of a thing of mutual respect in public, Alright, They have public respect. So you will have people like say on an elevator, on an elevator, you will have two rows made on an elevator. One row would remain standing and the other row would remain moving on the metro station. They have this social etiquette which is built in. In China, it was a different thing, like they had a different experience. But again, it was the people also treated differently, and the children were also different. Also, because again, um, most of the pe- people I was friends with were from abroad, like they were from different places so they were also equally um in the same in the same route as me, but when I came to India, it was um different. It was very very different. So and I I took time getting used to a culture because it was very the academics uh, people underestimate this, but the academic stresses that are put upon children in India at a very early age, um, are very are quite a bit compared to other schools. In fourth grade in china i was doing um worksheets and i was doing maybe odd i had the odd homework going on but when i came to india it was very different there was a lot more say the math was stronger there was a lot more homework going around there was testing happening which usually a lot of other uh, countries don't do india starts its testing really early in like third grade fourth grade when children are barely eight nine years old so that really was a big thing because now you have to perform in tests as well. And um, that was a big change.
0: So you're saying the academic system of different nations varied greatly to a great extent, right?
1: Um, I can speak for China and India to an extent, but um, I can't speak for Japan because as I was very young at that time. so. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Mayan, though you were in an international school, as you mentioned, I don't think that this would be an issue there. But, you know, when you were in, in your neighborhood, back in China, or perhaps in Japan, was there any bullying, because that tends to happen when you're not an indigenous citizen of the country? And what should one do when that happens? And how can other students make someone as you, probably a third culture child, comfortable within the environment. So I would like you to address two things here, bullying as well as racism, and how can it be dissolved within a cellular level? Okay.
1: So, um, I think the key thing about being in any nation is to know the language. The moment you know the language um, and you start assimilating the food, the culture, like you don't have a lot of presses. If you're a vegetarian living in China, then it, you will have some difficulty because a lot of the food, the, the diet is a lot. There's a lot of non-veg food which goes around, right? So there will be some difficulty. But the moment you learn the language of the country, which shouldn't be a problem for a lot of nations, like say if you go to Europe or something, then um, a lot of the countries like you'll have Norway and these other places where English is a commonly spoken language, that should be too much of an issue. But in Asian countries, that is not often the case. In China and Japan, they have their own language, uh, Japanese and Mandarin. So once you understand the language, it's very difficult for people to um say get anything over your head. Like they can't say stuff behind your back without you hearing, right? So that that is something which you, which I think um should keep in mind that language is a very very important part of how people accept you. If you can speak their language, it doesn't really matter uh, what nation you're from, because you're being able to communicate with them just as well as any other indigenous citizen can do. And that is very, very important. But um, so, and coming to the second point again, how other stu- students can make a third culture student comfortable within the environment. So I actually had an experience with this while I was in my school at boarding school, we had exchange student come to our school from Germany. Now this student, he was, um, he was German. He knew some English, he knew English, but his accent was very different. And his knowledge of English also wasn't that clear. However, and I was assigned to be the exchange, uh, his exchange guide. So what there was obviously, there was obviously some teasing going on. It was very clear that. The post you can always tell when uh, someone is saying something about you which uh, in a so language, language that you don't languages. understand because, um, yeah, you're saying something.
0: No, I said the body language gives it away, even though, yeah, the body
1: language gives it away very clearly sometimes. So, people were speaking Hindi and he couldn't understand German, so that obviously happens, but th- we have to understand the case that it's not it's sometimes it's in the nature of children also to tease each other as teenagers as students just generally a lot of people tease each other now the key thing is again language if you can't understand what they're saying you're likely to get offended as well about anything that they might be saying or it can be the flip side you might not get offended at all because you don't understand what they're saying so what you need to do is you need to try to strain into make them go into their comfort zone a little bit if they're having issues with say um english for example we try to talk to them in english a little bit try to use more gestures a little bit but like what i have seen as a stereotype is that if someone doesn't understand something you just speak louder which is not the case You sh- it doesn't matter whether you speak louder or whether yeah. you speak softer it matters how you're communicating so say if if um he the student was in Germany and I personally, I, I really like to play football. So I immediately, I talked to him um, first thing from the first topics we talked to him about was football in Germany. And because of the universal language of football and everything, it was very easy to communicate with him in terms of those things. We would take names that he was familiar with and we were familiar with and we could Sort of strike up some sort of balance in terms of like emotions, like according to if he's excited about if you're showing excitement in something that he's saying, then we could incur that it's a positive thing that he might be saying if he's making like a dismissive gesture or something. So, I think the key is that you need to look for the signs and that you can't just take someone's stuff uh, some what someone is saying on their words alone. You need to understand them, you need to try and make an attempt to, um. What do you say, like, come to their level as well, come to their level of language and make them comfortable?
0: Point well taken, Mayank. After all, all of us are global citizens and the best we can do is find things in common, which is bound to happen, and talk about it and transform the the language barrier, the cultural barrier, into something that is much more, uh, you know, which stands for love and patience for somebody who doesn't associate with our own culture. So thank you so much, Mayang, for talking about your experiences. This was truly a very interesting session. Thank you so much for joining us.